This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. After an unscheduled week off, I am Stephen John. You're back with another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. And with me, of course, is the star of the Gunna Geek show, Michelle Ely is here this week. Oh, well, thank you for such an illustrious title. That's right. SP is away. But Chris Farrell's here again. Hi, I'm Chris. If you didn't realize this, yes, a week went by without an episode of the official geek.com show. Last week, I lost my power and it didn't come on until later in the evening. And we thought about all different ways that we could do it. But bottom line came down to... Uh, I'm just a terrible individual and canceled it. So that's that's what happened. That's okay. I I had a long weekend, so it meant I got to play video games and it worked (laughs) out. Uh, SP is away this week. He'll be away again next week. He's taking some good old family time. I think something involving camping out at different Apple locations, trying to get them to release a new Apple TV. I think that's what it was. No, you're hiding what's actually going on. We need to make Suncast aware of what is happening right now, which is Deputy Director SP of SNASA is on his way to the Mars base right now for an evaluation of everything you've been doing, Suncast. So you better lock it up out there. Get all that contraband hidden away and get those things you don't want Deputy Director SP to see hidden. Yes. Put away. Those Martian, all those Martian ladies, put them back outside. <laughs> I was going to hang out later and watch cartoons or whatever other programming they like. The Martian. Do we still use this term? Martian smut mags? Is that what? what was that a term? What's that from? I don't know. Then I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't want to Google the term Martian smut mags. So I was no, really hoping you no, knew. No, no. <laughs> Although have, that I could not... be an episode title right there. <laughs> Anyways, put those Martian nudie mags away. There, we'll go with that one. Okay. Going to Google Martian nudie mags. There you go. Don't Google anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, before we get into the news, I got something I got to tell you right now. And uh, I won't get too far into this because there might be a fur, uh, future segment but I just want to do something right now. It's, it's been a while since we've done this. I have a phone and so do you. Look at that, it's a Pixel 2. That makes us Pixel Buddies for life. Some of the music heard was by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You and I, Chris Farrell, for a very long time have been Pixel Buddies specifically because of the Pixel 2, right? XL. You had, that's right. You had the Pixel 2 XL. I had the Pixel 2. That's correct. And I just wanted to be the first to let you know, Chris Farrell, that I have, I have ruined that bond. We are still Pixel Buddies, but I officially got the 4A today. I ordered it. It was released in Canada on Thursday. I ordered it that day through my carrier and it arrived today before Canada Post actually just decided to stop delivering packages because of the smoke. Uh, so yes, I, I now have a 4A and I'll talk more about it in the future, but I wanted to make sure to let you know on here that we are no longer Pixel 2 buddies, but, uh, we're still Pixel buddies. I'll just try to like amend that somehow. I don't know how, but I'll, I'll try to edit that jingle. So what you're saying is you've escalated the Pixel Cold War now. I have to upgrade now to be better. I, we all know that you're going to get the 5. Like, let, let's be real here. We've Maybe. Talk, we're pretty sure you're going to get the 5. Uh, but yeah, I decided to go for the 4A. I did debate on waiting for either the 4A, 5G, or the 5, but just decided I wanted to try the uh, 4A for a little bit. 
I mean, we'll find out more about the Pixel 5 at the Google event on September 30th, where they're also supposedly going to be announcing the new Android TV box and mm. probably beat that to market compared to the Apple TV. Sorry, SP. Ouch. Uh, I had to get my shot in. I'm sorry. I do want to just quickly mention and give you a little bit of hope uh, for the the raw increase of power. Uh, today, I've, I've only had it running for a couple hours, but you know how like the A series didn't have that extra processor for for processing pixel photos? You know how like the flagship ones are supposed to and then the A series didn't? I took my 2, my Pixel 2, and I put it up against my Pixel 4a. And I took a picture at the same time and I quickly hopped where you see processing. And it was consistently the 4A processing faster than the 2. So, hey, even though I know that the 5 would be faster than the 4A, as a user experience, just so you know, just so you know, you can expect a huge increase when you go to your 5. Not necessarily. Remember, it's not a Snapdragon 855 line. It's the 765 that'll be in the 5 is the rumor. But it still is slightly faster than what I've got, and it has that pixel processor. So I'm just letting you know, when you get your 5, just because it's got the teardown of the processor area, anyways, you can expect to have the world speeding across your screen. I don't know that I'm buying my phone immediately. My 2 is working for now, and I have some other expenses coming up, which we might talk about later in the show, that have taken priority for me over a cell phone. Since I don't leave my house, why do I need a cell phone? Michelle's they're going to one up us and she'll get something that's faster than both of our phones combined. Won't you, Michelle? Yeah, I'll get a horse. (laughs) Carrier pigeon. I like it. But yeah, I'll talk talk a little bit uh, more in the future after I've used it a little bit more. But yeah, as of a couple hours ago, we are no longer Pixel 2 buddies, but I still have it here. I still have the Pixel 2 here. It's just probably going to end up in the drone bag. To be fair, Stephen, that bump does not say we're Pixel 2 buddies. It just says we're Pixel buddies. So you don't really have to change anything, and it's still factually accurate. One of the lines is, look at that, it's a Pixel 2. Oh, yeah, but T-O-O. I like it, yes. I always thought it was, was it supposed to be the number two? I always thought it was T-O-O. You know what? I assumed it was number two because we both had the Pixel 2, but... Uh, that's a good question. I will have to find out from Emily Prokop and let you know. Well, I'll get back. This, this is a get back. Well, this is just editor's preference right now, right? It makes sense that it's TOO. I've never thought of that because, mm-hmm. hey, look, it's also a pixel. Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. There we go. See? So, oh, hey, look. hey, Steven. I have a phone and so do you. Look at that. It's a pixel. TOO. That makes us pixel bodies for life. See, it's a Pixel 2. It's yes. a Pixel as well. Exactly. I'm sorry. I cut you off there, Michelle. I apologize. Oh, I said, hi. Hey, Stephen. Welcome to the English language. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. I, I feel good about that. And now, now I stand by my purchase. I was regretting it for a moment there when I thought that that jingle didn't apply. Let's go ahead and move on to the news. All right, we're going to start off with a piece of news that's slightly dated because I wanted to talk about this last week before we canceled, but I still wanted to talk about it. If you didn't know this, uh, a couple weeks ago, NVIDIA did come out and they announced some brand new video cards. In fact, Chris Farrell tweeted me when it came out. He's like, Steven, you got to buy one. 
I, I think that was just a tease for giveaway. I think that's what he was wanting is like, give him or a give review card. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. But anyways, uh, NVIDIA did announce a new series of video cards. If you didn't know this right now, the RTX uh, 2000 series is the current before this generation. So it was like the 2070, the 2080, the 2090. And now they have announced the 3000 series. So they've announced the RTX 3090 at 1499. That's 1499 American. The 3080 at 699 and the 3070 at 499. Now, here's the thing about this. The RTX 3080 has been touted as being up to two times faster than the RTX 2080. So a significant increase over the current line and a significant performance increase over the RTX 2080 Ti, which is a step up. Tom's Guide has said in their review that it's about a 20% performance boost with the 3080 over the 2080 Ti. Now, the, G, uh, the RTX 3080 also comes with the second gen deep learning super sampling, which is DLSS 2.0. And they promise that that has quite the performance increase because of third generation tensor cores. Essentially, it's all modern tech that's going to be utilized by a variety of different software. Now, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. You're like, wow, that's a huge performance increase in today's world. The way that phone prices keep creeping up and they're like, hey, look, we offer something better. We're going to increase the base price. They must have done the same with the 3080 since that's so much better than the 2080. Well, no. The 2080 started at $999 and the 3080 is debuting at $699. So a significant price decrease for this current generation and when I did my research last week, so it was uh, Sunday, September 6th when I did my research, when you looked around, the RTX 2080s weren't getting a price drop. They were still sticking strong at the higher tag. And I went to uh, Newegg as well to have a look. And there was like two SKUs that were available around the price of the 3080, but the rest were quite a bit over. So it, it was... Uh, yeah, definitely not the time to buy a 2080 right now if you're looking because there seems to be no price decrease right now of last generation. Now, it's worth note, one of the things that you might consider going with the 2080 over the 3080 is apparently with older systems, you're more likely to see a hardware bottleneck with the new GPUs, but with the um, average computer who's probably looking to buy a 2080 or 3080, you're just going to want to go right for the 3080. It's a significant price decrease for a significant price performance. But one of the things that I wanted to really mention right now is that traditionally we have con uh, compared, you, you know, like X, like the end to the end. So like going from the 2080, we've compared it to the 3080 or the 1080 to the 2080, 10, 1070 to the 2070. But in this situation with this new line, if we actually compare the 37, so the 3070, the step down, sort of, so to speak, of the new line, it actually in many tests beats the 2080 Ti as well. So the 3070, which I mentioned was priced at 499, 
is beating cards that were like $1,000 last year in many tests. So it's quite the shakeup in the NVIDIA video card world. And I got to say that based on these numbers and these comparisons and what I'm seeing, which seems to be very favorable for this new line, I mentioned before on the show, I did a hardware upgrade, a computer upgrade a couple months ago, and I kept my old 1080 card. And I'm glad that I did. I would have been kicking myself pretty hard if I'd put out the money for the 2080 series only for this to come along at a significant decrease. Because when I was looking, I really had to go to top of the line in the 2000 series in order to get any increase over my 1080. So it didn't make sense without putting out a stupid amount of money. And now it's not as much money if I wanted to get a significant performance increase because I don't even need to go to the 3080 if I did. I'm going to ride the 1080 for a while, but it's quite the shakeup here. And I'm just curious what, what your thoughts is with this. Well, it's good to be king if you're NVIDIA is what it comes down to. <laughs> There's nothing that is better than NVIDIA cards in the market, according to a lot of people right now. Now, full disclosure, my PC is old. I don't have a great video card and I don't play games on my PC, but the price points, they're super compelling. And a lot of the tech bloggers and the YouTube tech sphere folks that I watch content on are super excited about the price point and what the supposed capabilities of these cards are. I can't wait to see when people get a chance to start playing with them, benchmarking them and showing just what they're capable of. But the fact that they are making this next generation of cards cheaper than what the current generation is, it's a win for consumers. And I, I don't know. All right, let me, how do I phrase this best? We have a new generation of consoles coming out in a couple months. The timing of dropping the price on the next generation of graphics cards seems very coincidental at, at uh, worst for uh, when they would decide to put new stuff out and be like, oh, we'll keep people in the PC gaming sphere now, to be <laughs> honest. Most people who are PC gamers aren't going to switch over to console gaming. But it is an interesting time to drop those prices when a lot of people are looking at the new Xbox and new PlayStation and going, you know, for the hardware and those kind of things, what the rumored price points are, you can't build a gaming PC of equivalent specs for that price. So it's interesting. Michelle, do you have any thoughts on this? I do. I stream um, games. I'm obviously streaming right here. And video card does matter. And I think the price dropping is great. Everyone needs to also keep in mind, though, internet speed. You can have the best video card on the market, but if you are streaming on Twitch, you can have the best lighting, you can have the best uh, video card. But if you have the slowest internet on earth and you want to do a Twitch streamer, you want to be a Twitch streamer, it's not going to happen. You have to make sure you balance uh, your equipment with what you are capable of. You, you cannot, don't invest a lot of money into equipment unless you know what your setup is going to be when it comes to the internet and your network. That's a really good point. And the video card is one of the things where at this point in streaming, the video card is important, but things have shifted around a little bit too that you might get a little bit more bang for your buck looking at processor. Um, and maybe a couple other things. So I think you nailed that. You know, you got to look at the whole picture. That's a really good point. And I don't know. I know. I just, I, you know, I do know Chris is going to spend the 1499 when he does this upgrade so that he can get all the FPSs. Are you going to get all I don't, the games I play on my PC are like eight or 10 years old, man. I don't need anything that powerful. And think about how many FPSs you'll get. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> seven first-person shooter games. Oh, isn't that great? Now I want to play Unreal Tournament. Thanks. What about Quake 3 Arena? Uh, no, I'm more of an Elite yeah. Force kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next news point here. Chris, you're going to roll us continuing into gaming, sort of, right? Yeah, I've been going heavy gaming lately because I'm pretty excited about what's coming with the next generation of things. And I've been reading a lot of things going forward. But if you are familiar with my podcasting career, I think you can go to my very second podcast where myself and my co-host said something to the effect of Electronic Arts, a.k.a. EA, is the devil. And there were probably profanities involved in how we described it. But this is something that... The fracking devil? Probably. Probably. But this is something that my opinion has not really changed on since 2012 when I started podcasting and bitching and moaning, for lack of a better term, about EA was in vogue. It still is. Uh, They've done it again. They've angered people. This time it's with their UFC 4 games, where what they apologized for was putting full screen in-game ads into the UFC game after the game had been released and originally reviewed. Eurogamer reported that when you uh, went to your in-between fight transitions and things like that, that there were now spots featured for the Amazon show The Boys in the game. Now, side note, The Boys is fantastic. You should watch it. But this did not exist, and there were no ads in this place of the game when it was reviewed a month ago. An EA spokesman wrote in a Reddit post the team had turned on ad placements in the game during the replay moments, and that while this type of advertising inventory is not new to the UFC franchise, it has been typically limited to specific main menus or octagon logo placement. What they really did is just find a way to inject more ads after the game had been out and reviewed. People were cranky about it. And you know, when people are cranky, they like to go on Reddit. So there was a post on Reddit at, and feel free to bleep me after the fact if you need to, Reddit r slash asshole design that pointed this fact out after the fact, had 100,000 upvotes when I last checked that everyone was kind of throwing the BS flag going, wait a second, you put this game out, you get all your reviews, and then a month later you find a way to jam new ads into it? This is kind of, uh, this is kind of BS. We're throwing the, the BS flag on this. EA has relented now. A spokesman said, we want to make sure our players have the best possible experience playing EA Sports UFC 4, so ad integration in the replay and overlay experience will not be appearing in the future. So what really happened here? They got called on their BS because this is where ads hadn't appeared before, and the fans pushed back and said, we're not cool with this. Had they not pushed back on it, they would see this same kind of, pardon the term here, bleep me again, asshole design coming in future EA Sports games they start injecting more ads into places where there weren't ads when the game was originally released. It's shady as hell and good on people on the internet for going out there and throwing the BS flag. And I guess I kind of also have to say good on EA for relenting, but I don't think they really had a choice because the internet was firmly against them and Reddit was all over them and Twitter was all over them. And they just probably had to realize, oh, what we did here, we're not going to get away with. But shady as hell, shame on you, EA. I know that you hate EA. I know that you've told me before that... I have strong feelings, and I feel like they have ruined uh, studios such as BioWare. Um, Ruined it. I I think that you uh, have clearly been colored, because I don't see a problem with any full-screen ads. I just don't don't have an issue with it. I'm not sure why you have an issue with it. I don't don't get it. I, I don't know why either. 
Uh, for the audio listener, I, I put the Better Podcasting logo on the middle of the screen. No, seriously, this is... This, you you know that they knew what they were doing and they were waiting for the reviews and for, you know, everything to be favorable before they did it. They had, right. They had it right from the beginning. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Had they done that when the reviews went out, people would be annoyed but go, okay, this is similar to what you see in actual UFC fights and things like that on TV. But the obvious wait a month later and then inject ads into it, no, no, no. BS flag is thrown. Are they maybe hurting for cash? No. Oh, well, then there think goes of, that theory. Think, think of how much money they make off of their yearly sports releases where they do the bare minimum of work and just do a roster update. That's true. Um, you know, I think I made a Battlefield 1942 reference earlier. If not, it was pre-show. And sorry, you should, should join us live on Mondays at Geeks Out Live. That's like, I don't know. I, I always have to be slightly less critical because that was a good game. But that was back when they weren't so much the devil. Look, they can have good games. But the problem is they are well known in today's world for their shadier business practices. And this isn't new that they've done things that everyone goes, wait, what the heck? That is frankly anti-consumer. Step back to Star Wars Battlefront 2. I think I talked about it on this show that the fact was if you wanted to unlock the heroic characters, it was like 150 plus hours of work for each character, or you could pay a microtransaction fee to get them sooner. And there were like six unlockable characters. So it's not unheard of. They do these weird things in there to try and pull more cash out of you or make more money after the game's been released. Side note, microtransactions aren't all necessarily terrible, but they shouldn't make it unlocks for things. It should be things like skins and stuff like that or battle passes and cooperative games. But EA does it in the most scummy way, it feels like at times, where you look at that and go, ugh, my God, I don't want to pay money for this. Why, why did I buy this game to begin with? And I'll be honest, for the most part, when it comes to an EA title, I don't buy them at launch if I want to play them. I wait six months and pick it up when it's down to like 20 bucks. I got Battlefront 2 and it was down to 10 bucks on sale. I feel like I got 10 bucks of fun out of it. Didn't pay any microtransaction fees because I didn't care enough to do that. But I, I, I kind of get it, folks. Why uh, you don't want to play them. In the chat, live chat at Geeks.Live, Suncast says you can tell the passage of time by when EA Fs up. That's fair. Michelle, what's your thoughts? Oh, by where? They're working on Dragon Age 4. Those of us who love Dragon Age, such as myself, we are. It's like we want this game, but then we know who's behind it. And we're just, are they going to keep their grubby little fingers out of it? Are they going to hide really cool things behind microtransactions? I mean, I just, I have stopped pre-ordering games. That is the one thing people, I really strongly suggest you just don't pre-order video games anymore because of stuff like this. Just wait for reviews to come in and all that type of stuff. And, you know, wait a few weeks. I think you're safe on some. Like, there's never been a Nintendo game that I've pre-ordered that's by Nintendo. Let me rephrase where I've gone. <clears> oh, crap. Shouldn't have pre-ordered this because, like, I think Mario All-Stars, which I did pre-order All-Stars 3D, I'm not going to have buyer's regret. But there are certainly other games. I talked about it. I don't think it was on this show, but on All Things Good and Nerdy, that the Avengers game, I had pre-ordered that months ago when it was on sale for cheap on Amazon. I played the beta and then I saw the, if you want to play Spider-Man, you can only play on PlayStation 4 and we're going to release all these uh, free characters, but you have to buy a $10 pass for each character to unlock all of their stuff. And I went, nope, I'm out. It's anti-consumer. It's not friendly to the gaming community. And I went, I'm done. If I want to play it, I'll pick it up when it's 20 bucks. I'll play through the campaign and be like, I got 20 bucks of fun out of it and get rid of the game then. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's also worth note because I don't know that I've actually ever commented on this before, but Bioware was originally a Canadian company. So you are correct. So uh, obviously, the fact that they're now owned by EA, the fact that they're just not Canadian anymore is instantly makes them less cool. Well, one thing to also keep in mind with Bioware is all the people that were responsible or most of the people responsible for the magic that was Mass Effect 1 and 2 and the first couple Dragon Age games. Most of them are gone now. They've moved on to greener pastures. Those that have left have done interviews that was something to the effect of we couldn't have fun doing it anymore because of the way EA was trying to manage how things happen. There was a whole breakdown of why Anthem failed, that Bioware did, why Mass Effect Andromeda failed. And a lot of it was because of management over top of EA that came in and said, here's the things we want. You have to use this game engine that's never been used for RPG games before. It's only been used for first-person shooters and sports games. But you have to use this because we've already paid for it instead of using something else. And it just didn't work. And the Bioware magic, I think, is gone. I hope Dragon Age is good, but I have my concerns because... Most of those people that were responsible for the greatness of the past Bioware games, KOTOR, Mass Effect, the original Dragon Age, Jade Empire, stuff like that, they are all gone and have moved on in new places. Well, I guess we'll just see what the next Chris Farrell EA rants about, but this one I think is valid. Well, give it a couple weeks. I'm sure I'll have another rant about them. The <laughs> EA. Yeah, all exactly. right. Well, on the Gonna Geek show in the past, we've talked a lot about CW television shows. In fact, we did a whole crossover featuring Michelle that uh, was all all to do with the gonna gleek or gonna geek. I don't know, whatever. It was the, the singing Flash and Supergirl, whatever. Uh, we've, so we've talked about Supergirl. We've talked about Arrow. We've talked about the Flash, a little bit of Black Lightning. But today, Michelle has news from the, I, I don't know, used to be the best series on there used to be uh it's from uh what's it called uh bebo the sarah lance chronicles that's what it is right i wish it was called bebo and sarah lance it's <laughs> called legends of tomorrow oh still. right right i'm sorry i blocked out of my mind after the n- nose dive that was last season yes <laughs> i agree but I'm no longer part of Starlight Tribune, and I haven't been able to talk about any sort of Arrowverse TV shows in a while. And I found there was some casting news that came out, but I have I found this nice article that sort of wrapped everything up in a nice bow about season six casting and story um, things coming up. So it is a little spoilery um, and such. So first, not everyone is returning for season six. If you did not know, Brandon Routh and Courtney Ford uh, were written out um, episode eight. Remember, Brandon Routh did not want to leave the show. The writers, for some reason, got lazy and were like, we don't know what to do with this happily married couple that has witty banter and great chemistry. We have no clue. So let's just send them off into the sunset. Um, Yeah, so they're not coming back. Uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers, who played uh, uh, Maya and then Charlie, is not coming back. So she was, um, she had a nice send off by the at the end of the season. Yeah, by the way, um, Amaya, Amaya was barely tolerable. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I know. But so I, I'm just, yeah. I, it was my way of saying I actually like Charlie better. I, I enjoyed Charlie. Yeah, Charlie was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, new season regulars. Uh, we have Cheyenne Savon, 
who plays Barad, which Sarah, which is Zary's brother, is going to be a season regular, as is Olivia Swan, who played Astra, who was one of the bad people, but becoming part of the cast. The new piece of news is a new character uh, played by Lizis Chavez, who's going to be joining as Esperanza Spooner Cruz. I wish I was making up the Spooner part, but I am not. <laughs> uh, Esperanza is going to be a new recruit for the Legends. Uh, she believes uh, she has the ability to telepathically communicate with aliens because she survived a childhood encounter with extraterrestrials. Uh, when you meet her, she'll be living off the grid, working to create technology that will detect and defend against space aliens. And reason why we need a character that is connected to space aliens is because at the end of the season, Sarah Lance was abducted. And in season uh, six, it's going to be about space aliens. So that's going to be the uh, main thoroughfare for next season. Also for next season, New Zari is going to stay. And the romance that she has with Constantine is going to stay. Uh, I, uh, yeah, um, I also did not like Parade. It, look, it's not the actor's fault. It's just all of a sudden you had this character who was just there and mm -hmm. we don't know anything about him. Even after an entire season, yes, I have finished watching season five. All I know about him, he's Zari's brother, he plays video games, and he's a stoner. That's still all I know about him at the end of the year. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's part of the reason why... Okay, look, if you want to give Legends of Tomorrow another chance next season, but you don't want to watch all of season five, that I, I made a little thing for you. <laughs> watch, see, watch episodes one through eight so you can watch Brandon and Courtney's final episodes. Go to episode 12 called Freaks and Geeks. It's a funny episode. It also is the start of Astra's redemption arc. So you're going to see how she's going to fit in. And then watch episodes 14 and 15. Those are the last two episodes of the season. Episode 14 is laugh out fun. It's laugh out loud funny. It's just, they're trapped in TV shows. Yeah. My favorite is Star Trip, yeah. where you have Sarah Lance and Ava Sharp as co-captains of, a, a, you know, a starship. And Katie Lott's doing her best, worst William Shatner yeah, impersonation so is classic. It's just, it's classic. And then you see Mick Rory as this con yeah. character with the hair. Yeah. It was uh, great. And, and the season finale was fun. It had mm -hmm. Cisco with the thong song. Yeah. You really can only understand that if you watch the episode. Uh, so it did, it's like the last two episodes, it really had that fun Legends flair that uh, makes me like the show. But you're not going, part of the reason why it went downhill is because you're missing a lot of the chemistry. Ray Palmer brought such a wholeheartedness to it and in not mm -hmm. in a cheesy way. Nathan and Ray have this healthiest friendship between men that you're going to see anywhere. They say, I love you. They give each other bro hugs. You don't really 
see that a lot in any sort of mainstream media. And men need to realize that it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to say, I love you to, you know, your guy friends and to, you know, hug and everything. It's just, it's really healthy. And there's just in those episodes, there's just that warm fuzziness that he brings to it. And the heart of it is kind of gone. And I don't know how they're going to get it back, considering who who they're going to keep around. I really, I really wish that they just disappeared Zari, that Zari just disappeared. That was more like the Steins Gate movie. Steins mm-hmm. Gate is an anime that has to do with time travel. In the film, the main character who had done too much time traveling just vanished. And everyone just sort of didn't realize it for a while until they noticed certain things. And I really thought that that was what's going to happen. But instead, we got new Zari and... Yeah, I haven't been able to talk about this in a while, so I, I went on a rant. I'm so sorry. I just haven't. I haven't had a podcast <laughs> to talk about this in a while. I'm glad you did so. because, like, you know, I, I messaged with you offline. I've messaged with Suncast offline, both both of you pretty regularly, just because I know the three of us actually were watching it, even in intermittent spells. Um, but yeah, th- this new Zari character is just like completely bland. Like it very cliche. There's nothing original about it. And then in the finale, a little a spoiler here, we get a taste of old Zari. And it's like, oh my God, there it is. That's why we like it. And you were kind of mentioning about how like there was this 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 character bond and whatnot. And that's because in you know, a couple of years ago and before, while there was obviously a little bit of all over the place of where they were trying to go with the show they still had this character building across the different episodes. The things that they would do together would have an impact on the relationships. And that's out the window for this entire year and a good portion of last year as well, where it's just like, we are going to just make this show a band of people doing stupid things. And it's not even like, what was fun was when it was a band of people who were banding together to do things because they made stupid mistakes and they're fixing it. Now it's just a bunch of random people doing stupid things with very little overarching plot. And that's, that's the problem that I I had with this. And you're right. Like Bayrod coming in just was like, he's just there. And I think there was some potential to explore that, but they didn't. And it was just like, he was like holding back the plot that we knew over the last few years. It was so like, I don't know. I'm disappointed to see him come back. I was hoping that he was going to be put back in his rightful place because in, in, you know, the unaltered timeline, he's dead. So then we were going to get old Zari back and just like, forget about this season. (laughs) If you're more conspiracy minded, like some of the folks are in r slash arrow, there is a thought there that they are just kind of trying to run the clock out on Legends. That's why the season order keeps getting shorter and shorter. And the thought is they're trying to run the clock this season, make it as cheap as possible so then they can move forward and do Green Arrow and the Canaries, which I honestly don't give zero craps about seeing Green Arrow and the Canaries. But some mm-hmm. people obviously do. I hope that, 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 that never up, comes though. back. I hope that that's Here, just dead. Here's the thing about Green, uh, Green, uh, um, Green Arrow and the Canaries. 
we are not going to get the show promised in that pilot. There is absolutely mm-hmm. no way um, the lead character... Um, Catherine McNamara Beck signed Mayer. a new job. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. is busy. She is. She was hot when they signed her. When she, they didn't pick it up, she immediately had another job. Yeah. She She's hot. She's, you know, talented. She is talented. She's already been on TV, TV, two TV shows now. She has that career. Um, so they're not going to be able to get her back. And period. I will, I will say period. this to the legend showrunners. If you want to get me to watch, go play nice with Netflix and make it so Lucifer Morningstar can appear in an episode. And I'm there because I've recently pivoted to Lucifer and I'm all in on that show. And I apologize for not doing it sooner. It is better than almost all of the CW superhero products. I think, yeah, if, if we were to see Green Arrow and Canaries, I could live with it not being in the future and being, um, uh, wow, I can't even remember their names anymore. Who was it? Uh, what were the two people in the future? Dinah Laurel and, and Dinah. La- Laurel, La- was it Laurel? Yeah, Laurel and Dinah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Laurel and Dinah elsewhere in modern time. I don't want a future set series. I, I don't like the idea of it being in the future when you've got, you know, con- like current quote, current uh, timelines going on. I don't like that. So I'd be okay if, if they did that. And I don't know, somehow it was like carrying on the Green Arrow tradition. I don't so, I don't really care, but I didn't like any of what they set up in that pilot. So I'm going to say something here, and it's not because I don't want a female-led superhero show or anything Hashtag like that. no Laurel, no Arrow. Spin it. No, no. I want John Diggle as Green Lantern. They teased it. They should make it happen. I would far more enjoy seeing that than I would seeing the green arrow and the canaries because they could pivot forward, continue a little bit of that legacy of the show. There are rumors right now that uh, David Ramsey is going to be appearing in the Lois and Superman show in a couple appearances. If you could kind of tease the fact that he's got that ring and eventually spin it into a green lantern show, which they've already established the justice league, it would be really cool to see dig get to step into the role as a lead superhero, become a part of the league, and then sort of carry on Oliver's legacy of helping people and saving cities as a superhero himself. And no, I'm not saying this because I don't like the idea. I don't want this to get spun as Chris doesn't want to see a green arrow in the canaries, blah, 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 blah. I just don't care about the show. It has nothing to do with who's leading the show. I just would prefer a John Diggle show. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that they could have spun something else off there, but I also don't know that I want to see the same group together. Um, I'm okay with a couple of them together, but I feel like that's just run its course and we got a lot of crap with that. So I think I think we're getting to a point where everything they're trying to do to do their connected television universe. I don't know how much longer it's going to last, especially as they're consolidating more and more of their superhero television properties under HBO Max now. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. We've talked about the troubles Batwoman had with recasting and Ruby Ran- Ruby Rose dropping out, things like that. So that's in trouble. Ratings are down on Supergirl. Ratings were down on pretty much all of the superhero shows. So are we seeing the writing on the wall that the CW-verse, the Berlanti-verse, whatever we want to call it, might be nearing the end of its run? Not to say that this is a terrible thing or I'm belittling it. It's had a hell of a run. Eight seasons of Arrow that set up this interconnected universe. That's impressive, but it's not sustainable forever. All I know is that I look forward to the day that the Berlanti universe is canceled so that we can get yet another version of 90210 back. Come on now. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. And finally, we'll just quickly before we go on to Chris's uh, uh, taps that box. 
Uh, there was a news article that came out today that was... Uh, I enjoyed getting proved wrong today by, by Chris Farrell, and I'll admit it, is that um, there was a certain country that had border officials um, seize what they were claiming to be counterfeit AirPods. Chris, would you care to fill us in on the rest? And, and feel free to tell how I was wrong. So it was all over the tech blog sphere this morning when I took a break to go grab coffee upstairs while my coffee was brewing. I was reading through on Twitter and saw that, whoa, Customs and Border Patrol in New York City has seized what they claimed was thousands of dollars worth of counterfeit AirPods. And I looked at it and I said, wait a second. They showed the, air, the supposed counterfeit AirPods themselves, one out of the box and the box art for what it was. And I went, those, those aren't AirPods. Those are the OnePlus Buds that I've talked about on the Gunna Geek show that are like 79 bucks a pop that were coming out soon to the States. So yes, uh, United States Customs and Border Patrol in New York seized a bunch of uh, OnePlus Buds saying they were counterfeit AirPods. And uh, I do think the best reaction I've seen was uh, OnePlus USA replying to the tweet saying, hey, those are ours, give them back with a smiley face. But Steven and I got into quite the debate of, were these actually the OnePlus Buds? And it took about 15 minutes before I was able to say, no, no, look, the picture they're doing doesn't match what's on the website. And because Steven was of the mind of, oh, they're smuggling in counterfeit AirPods in the OnePlus Buds box. I'm like, no, no, they're OnePlus Buds. It's just terrible photo angles we're looking at here. But it's funny. And like Suncast has said in the chat room, this is hilarious to watch unfold in real time because anyone who's like involved in the tech sphere and likes to be in the know as to these new Bluetooth headphones and things like that, looked at that. And we all kind of had that second thought of, wait a minute, those are the OnePlus buds, or those are buy OnePlus. Oh, boy. And the best fact is uh, the tweet was still up last I checked. The press release they'd issued about patting themselves on the back for taking all these counterfeit AirPods out of circulation to in withhold the integrity of actual goods or something to that effect was still up. And I'm like, man, this is such a misfire. All you had to do when you got these is Google OnePlus wireless headphones. You'd be like, oh. These are real. I, I don't understand how the simple thing is you Google what you're confiscating to make sure that it's actually not a real product. Yeah. So first off, the reason I, I just want to quickly highlight the reason why I had thought that they weren't is because like when I two one pluses like discredit, I was going and when I looked at it, it looked like an AirPod on the photo that they were showing on the angle it was leaning on. And I was like, the OnePlus buds look different. They have like this weird circular thing with it. So I went to the OnePlus site and I scrolled through their website, the Canadian site. And as you scroll through, it does this 360 flip. So like you scroll down and it rotates, rotate, 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 rotate. Well, apparently they have abruptly ended the rotation where it gets to the angle that they showed in this uh, CBP photo where you could actually see how the OnePlus Buds can from one angle look like the AirPods. If you were to grab an AirPod and you were to grab a OnePlus Bud, they are significantly different on the one side. So you would easily be able to tell the two apart. But from the one angle it was at, it absolutely did look like an AirPod. And that's like, I'm like, no, it's curved. It's not. And then Chris found some other photos where it showed the side that was not on the OnePlus's website. And I could see exactly what he meant. And um, anyways, one of the oh, things this gets is, even better now. I just found a new article. <laughs> I'll let you oh, finish. Okay. But. I was going to say, I had two other things on here. One of the things that really made me like scratch my head is like, 
If your job is searching tech stuff, you would think you'd be familiar with tech stuff. You don't need to know everything, but like you would think that people who are searching this would be familiar with the the brand OnePlus, right? So so that you think that they would have uh, oh, you know what? OnePlus, that's a legitimate name. Like that, so, that that's not like ABC import company. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's an article I just found on The Verge that I shared in the chat room that kind of puts further spin on what's going on here. <laughs> and uh, they're fully aware of who owns it. But uh, there was a oh. statement that was put out saying, upon examining the shipment in question, a CBP import specialist determined the subject earbuds appeared to violate Apple's configuration trademark. Apple has configuration trademarks on their brand of earbuds and have recorded those trademarks with CBP, according to a spokesman. Based on that determination, CBP officers at JFK Airport have seized the shipment under 19 USC 1526E. Um, okay, but do you know how many actual AirPod knockoffs there are that you can buy in stores right now? And again, just because they seize these doesn't mean you can't go to Walmart or Amazon or any website right now and buy these. It, it almost reads to me as this is an attempt to save face because they screwed up. But even then, I don't think they're really doing a great job of saving face because I don't know that Apple's yeah. trademark of a wireless earbud that is white and looks like that is going to hold up. Because if you look at the back of the OnePlus buds, they are different enough. I imagine they can get away with it. Don't get me wrong. The OnePlus buds, that's a shameless ripoff of the AirPods on purpose. Most of the, a lot of the headphones you're seeing that look like AirPods are shameless ripoffs to try and confuse people, but it, it's interesting. <sighs> that the, the, that the, I'll admit that changes my mind slightly. That that does it. If it's a legitimate legal legal patent infringement, I agree that there it? are a, there are many. <laughs> now I have to I have to start saying if if there is, then. I do get it. I do get it, but I think but, that there's a lot of other ones that also are blatant ripoffs and like are sold as AirPods when they're so not. So I'm I'm no legalese expert or anything like that, but isn't it the responsibility of the courts to determine this, not CBP, I would assume? I don't know. Someone else I, might know better than me in regards to this. It just uh, whether their intent yeah. is or not to do this, it looks like they're trying to save face after they kind of got roasted by the collective <laughs> internet and people at large going what the hell are you guys doing? Because you know, I'm not a lawyer either, and that's where I could quickly, quickly, you know, stop giving them any benefit of the doubt. Is if counterfeit Apple AirPods are by legal definition a patent infringement, then okay. But I'm questioning the term because it was quoted as quote counterfeit Apple AirPods end quote. They weren't branded as Apple AirPods. Mm -hmm. There was nothing indicating they were AirPods. Like I, I had, um, I, I know of someone who had a a um, Yeti cup, not the microphone, a Yeti cup that was in a import into Canada that was apparently they turned out to be counterfeit counterfeit Yetis that did end up getting confiscated and and you know that person lost their money and and rightfully so because they were sold as Yetis. They were trying to be Yetis, but they were counterfeit. So um, that is a counterfeit product because they were sold as that. So that's where I'd be curious to see the legal definition about that. But yeah, I as I think more about it, I think I, I will still say if legally that is right, then okay. But um, the term counterfeit Apple AirPods, eh, they're not trying to say AirPods. I'm, I'm questioning it still. Uh, also, The Verge points out at the very last paragraph in this update that I put in the chat room, 
Quote, it is important to note that Apple itself has not taken any legal action against OnePlus over the OnePlus buds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the uh, last thing that I want to mention before we head on to your segment here is uh, OnePlus tweeted today a uh, uh, promo image of their um, OnePlus buds. And it said, quote, seize the day, period. Seize the music, period. Now, I imagine that was before this late, this most recent twist into what's going on right now. I imagine yeah. they are purposely not going to say anything at this point in time because of possible legal ramifications. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But it's sure it's funny from an Internet uh, tech yeah. follower standpoint, just look at it and go. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, what's your thoughts? Until, like you said, until some sort of legal action is taken, then it's just a bunch of just. You know, if you make a mistake, just admit it. Because the more I've learned in life, the more you try to make it not look like a mistake, the bigger of a fool you look. So if it's just you made a mistake through customs, just say we made a mistake through customs and then nobody would be talking about it anymore. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Uh, I suspect there's a lot more to this and we will get more about this, but um we will see what influence happened. And I suspect that it was, uh, never mind. We'll leave it, leave it there. We'll let everybody else do their own uh, conspiracy theorizing. And uh, I look forward to seeing, seeing what else we get on this. It makes me want to try them, though. Let's go ahead and move on. Only $79.99, I know, I know. Let's move on to Chris's, Chris Taps That Box. It's a terrible name, sorry. What cardboard box do you have? I don't have any boxes right now, but I will potentially be buying something that comes in a fairly large sized box. Is this like a one-off box or is this like a series of boxes? A series that you could say an interval of X or S exists. Okay, fair enough. And if X was premium, what does S stand for? Slightly less premium. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to make that math equation, but tanked it. Go ahead. Don't make me have to do advanced mathematics. I haven't had to do that in 10 plus years at this point in time. My brain might melt down. Okay, so you wanted to talk all about your second favorite console, and why is that? We're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch tonight? (laughs) I mean, I do love my Switch. I play a lot of games on it. But no, what we're here to talk about tonight is, uh, I hate the term console wars, but we are at the beginning of a next generation of consoles about to be coming out. We know the PS5 is coming soon. This upcoming week, they actually have a big press event that will supposedly reveal pre-order dates and prices and things like that. And Microsoft was also supposed to be having an event of their own this week where they would release pricing, pre-order dates, and potentially tease a new console. All that kind of went out the window last week when a series of leaks plagued Microsoft about a week ago as we are recording this that eventually had them have to admit at about 1.30 a.m. via Twitter post, yes, there is another... Xbox console that is coming out, the Series X con, excuse me, S console that was codenamed Lockhart that we'd heard about. We'd had some hints of it before because there were some Xbox controllers stolen from a Best Buy, where if when people open up the boxes, they saw references to Xbox Series S and X. But this all leaked out. I believe uh, Throt.com was one of the first that had a leak. Brad Sams through there, I believe, had pictures of the new Series S console. There was information about the dimensions and some about the specs. And Microsoft decided instead of just trying to bury it to have an event the next week, 
at about 1.30 or 2.30 in the morning, they tweeted out and confirmed the existence of the Xbox Series S console. So what is the S compared to the X? And I apologize, the naming convention of Xbox this generation is confusing because it's all S's or X and you've got to remember to say series. So I'm sure I will screw it up at some point. Yeah, why is this new? Why is this new? The Xbox S and the Xbox X have been out for a long time. So it is interesting. We do have the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X right now. It is Microsoft continuing that naming convention to describe what is their top tier Xbox and then their entry level tier Xbox with the S and X terms. So they are consistent in that regard. It's just, it's strange. So, like I said, Microsoft got ahead of this leak or kind of fixed the fact the leak got out there. And I think they issued a release like 1.30 or 2.30 in the morning on Twitter. A lot of folks on Reddit who don't live in the States are like, this is great. We're getting breaking news during the regular day for us instead of having to read about the next morning when we wake up. So it was cool in that regard. What did we find out about the Xbox Series S? It is a similar console to the Series X. It is priced at $299. At this point, they had not yet confirmed the price of the Series X, so we won't get to that yet. What were the compromises to make this console so much cheaper? It is not quite as powerful. We're not going to deep dive into the tech specs because you guys don't care about that as much who are listening to this. But bottom line, here's the things that are different. GPU is slightly less powerful. There's two or four gigs less RAM. There's no disk drive on it. It's not capable of 4K video gaming. It is 1440p video gaming. However, you'll still have all the rest of the graphical upgrades. And the internal hard drive is only 512 gigabytes as opposed to the one terabyte hard disk that would be coming in the Xbox Series X. However, one thing to consider here, if you want to stream 4K content, be it Netflix shows, Hulu shows, movies, things like that, you are able to stream and display things at 4K HDR with Dolby Atmos sound, and it was later confirmed that the Xbox consoles will be the first to support Dolby Vision gaming, which is kind of cool. Don't be surprised if the PlayStation 5 does too. It's just Xbox got to announce it first. So we got some information about the the lower tier console, which then had a lot of speculation going on about, well, what's going to be coming out in the Xbox Series X? More information started leaking out, specifically part of the briefing that Microsoft was going to present this week at their press event. So Microsoft then released a tweet that was at 9.02 a.m. on September 9th, where they just spilled the beans saying, this is the tweet, Xbox Series X, $499 estimated retail price, the Series S, $299 estimated retail price, release date November 10th, and pre-orders start September 22nd. So instead of having some big event, they had to rally and kind of come up with an alternative plan because the information was leaking left and right, and they got out ahead of it with a tweet. And it worked pretty well. And then they followed it up with some announcements on their blogs, on their tweet, on their Twitter accounts, posted on Reddit, coming from folks like Larry Nelson, uh, Larry Nelson, a- excuse me, Larry Herb, aka Major Nelson, Phil Spencer, and the rest of that team. What we did find out is the pricing is about what was expected. A lot of people were expecting the top tier Xbox to be somewhere between four to five hundred dollars, four ninety nine, kind of hit that mark. But everyone seemed kind of surprised that the Series S would be coming in at three hundred dollars. Even Sony's supposedly pretty surprised about that because if you believe some of the rumors that are circulating around on Twitter on Reddit, supposedly, and I haven't been able to confirm this other than via internet rumors, some of the execs at Sony who are heading up PlayStation kind of went, ooh, that price point's lower than we expected and are supposedly revisiting internally what the PlayStation 5 price point's going to be. I don't know how factual that is or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if someone at Sony looked at and said, hmm, here's the Xbox prices, 
we probably don't want to price ourselves too far beyond that because, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people are working less hours, don't have as much spare cash. Super expensive console, maybe not the best thing to put out now, but we did get the prices. That was cool. Some other stuff that did come out because Microsoft kind of decided, hey, if we're going to spill the beans, let's spill the beans about everything. They did announce that the Xbox Game Pass service is going to have some additional stuff coming to it in December. Well, they said holiday time frame. It's been kind of relayed to be December at this point in time. And we're used to games coming and going from Game Pass, but they announced they have made a deal with Electronic Arts, who I called the devil in the second segment of this show. I still stand by that. But EA has their own version of Game Pass. It was called EA Play that allowed you to get EA games via subscription model. You pay your five bucks a month. You get access to some of the older sports games, some of the older games in the back catalog, things like that. Well, Microsoft made a deal with them that in December-ish, EA Play is now folded into being part of Xbox Game Pass. Meaning if you are a Game Pass subscriber, all of these EA games are now going to be included, whether it's through the Game Pass app or still through a separate EA app, I don't know. Why do I bring this up? It's because Microsoft's plan for this generation seems to be leaning really hard into Game Pass to get people to want to buy the new console. So why is Game Pass important? Well, if you're not familiar with it, there's two tiers of Game Pass right now. There's the regular one and the Game Pass Ultimate. So for 10 or 15 bucks a month, you get access to 100 plus games in their back catalog, all exclusive Microsoft games, day and date release, things like that. Game Pass is also something they're leveraging really hard in a service they have called Xbox All Access. And I don't think we've talked about this button passing before. Are you guys familiar with what Xbox's All Access uh, plan is? Oh, I've been waiting, and we'll talk more about my my waiting for a bit. Yes, the All Access, that's where you basically get a console with it, but you also get the, um, what is now the Game Pass Ultimate, which is the Game Pass Plus uh, Gold put together into one package, but... I think when when All Access first came out, they were only available individuals. So that's why it was All Access, because you got Game Pass, you got Gold, and you got an Xbox, right? Yeah, they're basically bundling the Xbox with Game Pass and letting you pay in monthly installments. This is something they are continuing to do with this generation of consoles, and it makes it surprisingly compelling for someone who might be considering upgrading. That someone includes someone like myself. So if you're not familiar, the... The only thing on All Access you can get right now, since these new consoles haven't launched, is you can get an Xbox One S with 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate for $22.99 a month. Okay, that's interesting. No interest, anything like that. However, starting on September 22nd, if you want to pre-order, both the new consoles will be available, so you can get the Xbox, and I'm going to try and enunciate this so I don't trigger Suncast iPhone, Series S, for $24.99 a month, that includes 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate, or you can pay $34.99 a month for the more powerful X edition of the console, again, coming with 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate. And if you go and break down the math for what Game Pass costs per month on a regular basis now, and then if you also consider that EA Play was an additional five bucks a month, it is actually slightly cheaper to do these installment payment plans for the X or the S consoles, you save anywhere between 20 to 60 bucks overall if you buy them on a pay per month basis, which is interesting. And again, it leans into Microsoft is leveraging Game Pass heavily. So Game Pass Ultimate, 
it's pretty awesome. Here's what's included in it. Game Pass Ultimate gives you Xbox Live Gold, which allows you to play online games with folks. As part of Xbox Gold, they do two, uh, two game, they do a, another program called Games with Gold that gives you two free games per month that you can download. And as long as you are an Xbox Live subscriber, they're yours to play forever. And if your subscription lapses, you can't play them until you re-up your subscription again at a later date. PlayStation does a similar thing with PlayStation Now, or excuse me, PlayStation Networks, which is not unheard of. You also get Game Pass for Xbox, which is the entire back catalog of all Xbox Studio games, all new Xbox Studio games, day and date release, and then other games they have made third-party deals with. So for instance, Red Dead Redemption 2 was in Game Pass recently. Things like that they've had pulled in. You will also get access to Game Pass for PC. So if you are a PC gamer, you get access to all of these games that are part of the Game Pass library playable on a computer, including things like the old Age of Empires games, or Gears 5, or Halo Infinite when it comes out. I'm still not done because there's more stuff coming. We already mentioned the EA Play subscription gets folded in there. But what is going to be really interesting, we talked about it really briefly on the show. Microsoft has been investing heavily in cloud-based gaming. Arguably, they've had better results than Google Stadia. I was on the beta for the cloud-based gaming, and I will say it worked pretty well for me. Well, starting tomorrow on the 15th of September, we're recording this on the 14th, Xbox Cloud Streaming officially goes live, allowing Android devices, and there's rumors that a Windows 10 app is also coming, to do 150 different games that are part of the Game Pass library via their xCloud service, meaning you pull out your cell phone, launch the app, pair a Bluetooth controller, and you can start playing Halo or Gears or something like that, where all the gameplay, like with all cloud gaming, done in the servers, but is rendered and pushed to your phone. And if it is similar to what I saw in the beta, it works better than Google Stadia. So this is a lot of stuff they're including in this bundle. Game Pass Ultimate for 15 bucks a month gives you all that stuff. So like I said, Microsoft leaning really hard into Game Pass, and I think it's kind of worked. This all-access bundle combined with Game Pass, which is something I subscribe to now, kind of has both myself and my wife going, you know, we weren't really looking to upgrade immediately, but 35 bucks a month for a service that we're already paying for, that kind of doesn't make it terrible. We're not having to dump a load of cash out on day one. 35 bucks a month is something that we can swing, not have to worry about having to pay on a monthly basis. It's a lot more palatable than 500 bucks up front, plus then the recurring Game Pass subscription. So I'm pleasantly surprised with what Microsoft's plan is going forward for Xbox. Now, takeaway, I think I've mentioned this on this show before, Xbox Division, as led by Phil Spencer, is really pushing hard this concept of Xbox gaming as a service. Selling consoles is not necessarily their main goal. Instead, I think they're looking primarily to try and get people subscribed to Game Pass because then they have them for 10 or 15 bucks a month recurring payment. And there are rumors, and I believe it was mentioned in our chat room, a lot of people believe that Microsoft is probably selling these consoles at a loss at launch. Probably the same will hold true with the PlayStations, things like that. Consoles are not the big money maker for uh, video game developers and things like that. It's games and recurring services and things like that. So don't be surprised if Microsoft takes a bit of a hit here, but says, hey, we've got the Game Pass subscription to kind of offset that. And Game Pass is interesting because it provides access to four generations worth of games. Everything from the original Xbox all the way up to the new games coming out on the Series S and X consoles. I apologize, Suncast, if I triggered your uh, smart assistant there. 
Yeah, this is really exciting. And um, well, out of this announcement, they they did say that. Well, how many? I think you'd mentioned how many countries was it that they said, or did, did you not mention that for the cloud-based gaming yeah, stuff? No, for the uh, all access. Sorry, for the all access. Um, I did not mention how many countries, but I did see, for instance, like the pricing in the UK was if you knock fifty dollars or if you knock fifty off of the prices, that's what the equivalent is in British pounds. So I've got a few friends I follow on Twitter in the UK. We're like, holy crap. Yeah. This is actually really compelling price-wise. I didn't look to see other regions where it was available yet. So there were there were quite a few, and Canada was one. And, you know, I, I've made it no secret over the years. I always, every time I've bought a console in recent, I've, I've bought it with the intention of playing and not playing. So, like, for me, usually it's like, okay, I'll just wait, and one day there'll be a deal. The most recent one, though, was, was a purchase that was because of, a complete different change in my console needs, which is the fact that I have kids, right? So that was one of the big reasons I bought the Xbox One S was because I have kids that are into gaming and they do like to play on the Xbox. And so that does change things quite a bit for me. And I've said before as well, I think that the Game Pass is a, like a, the Game Pass um, Ultimate is a really good deal because you, ha- you really, if you're going to have an Xbox, you got to have gold. You, you need to have it if you're going to be doing online and things like that. And it's not a huge amount more to get the Game Pass Ultimate. And it's not a hum- huge amount more to get the All Access. I haven't seen the price yet in Canada for the All Access, but this is one of those things that I could see myself doing. And then I can use that Xbox elsewhere as well, which is pretty helpful. So I might... I might get in on this. I haven't decided for sure. It'll be one of those things that, though, um, you know, I'll have to talk talk with my wife and see what we want to do. You know, holiday seasons are coming and things like that and, and see. But it's really quite an interesting idea of how affordable they're making it because it's not just financing. It's including that service that a lot of people are paying for already. So this is neat to see. Um, the only thing is in Canada, they said that they're doing it exclusively through EB Games. EB Games is no, is uh, owned by GameStop. Correct. So we'll see how long I'm able to get this for. There's like five or six vendors in the American edition for the all access. And it varies by country. I did notice on here that there's an article on Mobile Syrup that says all access subscription coming to Canada, $5.99 for the X, $3.79 for the S. Is what it appears. It didn't give the price per month, no. however, for the all access. That's plan what I'm yet. looking for is the price per month. Um, you know, here's the other thing. Let's hope that when they do this, since it's exclusively through EB, that my deal, my payment ends up not being through Microsoft, but through EB. So if all of a sudden a company goes away, I don't have to finish paying. <laughs> So I had a couple other notes I meant to finish up on there. I should have said this at the top of the segment. Full disclosure, my console of choice right now is the Xbox. That's what I play the most. And I do have to admit, while I might consider myself more of an Xbox gamer than other consoles, this doesn't diminish my curiosity to see what Sony's going to announce this week at the PS5 event. Pricing, of course, is going to be my main curiosity, but I want to see what they pull out of their pocket to compete with both Game Pass and the all-access program because the value proposition associated with both of those is really tough to beat. And they do have PlayStation Network and PS Now that allows like cloud streaming of things, but it's mostly like PS3 games and stuff like that. Uh, I've tried that uh, program and stuff. I really wasn't impressed um, initially. It's 
I don't know. I didn't really care for like the selection of games and the yeah. the streaming part of it. I had problems with, and I've heard others with similar issues with it too. I, it's going to be interesting though to see what they do to compete with that. Now, again, Sony has the advantage when it comes to first party games. They've got Marvel, Spider Man, God of War, things like that, but they don't have a Game Pass like product. So I'm just curious to see where they go with it and all access i think might be a difference maker especially right now when people aren't as flush with cash as they may have been before and i think there's something interesting to consider a few years down the line once both these consoles have come out and been out for a while i could see the s version of the console kind of becoming a secondary console for people who might have become a playstation 5 gamer because right now it's 300 dollars. i'm sure a year or two into the system being out We'll start seeing sales where you might see it like $250 or $200. And if you're someone who's primarily a PlayStation gamer, but you want to play Halo or some of the other exclusives like God, not God of War, uh, Gears of War or something like that, for $250, $200, it might be compelling to pick up the S version and pick up Game Pass for a little bit. And that cheap price point kind of becomes a lower barrier for entry. And what I think could be really interesting, I've got to thank SP for this because we had some conversations in our Hangouts chat late last week about this as the price drops in the series s if we can get it down to 200 dollars on a regular basis i think it becomes very interesting when we start looking at the streaming box market right now things like roku's nvidia shields apple tvs the premium products are like 150 to 200 bucks right now if you want an nvidia shield or an apple tv of varying types the s version of this console could be a very compelling media streaming box because Pretty much all of those apps you would have on a NVIDIA Shield or an Apple TV, they all exist on the Xbox also. So for 200 bucks to 250 bucks, depending on when a price jump ha- price drop happens, you could put the S version of the console in your living room, or you could put it in your bedroom as a streaming box, and then you also have the ability to play video games on it. And I think it, it's an interesting play. I don't think that's Microsoft's intended goal, but it's what I could sort of start to see happening. Because remember... The NVIDIA Shield, when it first came out, Android TV was a nice feature on it, but it was all about different kinds of Android games and stuff like that you can play. And they've kind of pivoted hard into the fact that they're the best Android TV box out there. So you might see a second life for the S version of this console in the next couple of years as the de facto most powerful slash best bang for the buck streaming box out there, which I think would be very interesting. All right, here's the biggest question. Michelle, when are you getting it? I have to admit, this has got my interest because at first I'm like, I don't want to get, I just don't want to pay for a new box. But this whole idea of getting the ultimate with all the games and all the services for that $35 a month or $25 a month, that has me very intrigued. For those of you who don't know, I bought a PS4. I don't have plans to buy a PS5 unless if it's outstanding. I still have a Xbox 360. So jumping to uh, this Series X or S is very tempting now. I have to admit, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I could afford that now. Well, I'm in the same boat. And to be honest, this all access plan, it's going to be available forever the way they're describing it. So it's not like you have to make the decision at launch. It's just 
There's a lot of people and it's working on me. I fully acknowledge it. Like, oh my God, it's a launch. There's going to be scarcity. I'll never be able to find it. That's kind of like, I might have to get up at 12.01 a.m. on the 22nd to secure my pre-order. I don't think I actually need to do that. I'd probably be fine if I waited six months from now to get it. But there's part of me that's like, I want to do it. Well, we look forward to the day that you do your Gonna Geek review of the Xbox Series X versus the Canadian one, which you'll buy for me. Wait, what? I, I don't know. That's just what I thought. Because you won't, don't you want to compare the American to the Canadian one? So you should probably buy me one so that we can compare. Okay. Only if you buy me the American version of the Tesla at Model S when we do our Tesla reviews. I think I'll pass. I think, <laughs> I think I'll pass. How about the Model 3 then? We'll talk. Michelle, thank you for coming on here today. It was great having you back. Always wonderful to have you on the show. I really enjoyed the Legend of Tomorrow discussion. And yeah, we definitely need to have you on here more often to bring up that because like Chris doesn't watch, SP doesn't watch. You and I got to keep each other's sanity. And you know, maybe maybe sometime we'll have to have Suncast on as well. And then we can all just go insane together. Exactly. <laughs> uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote? Uh, sure. Uh, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Twitch channel called Nerds with Dice. I am in a Rifts game called Ballad of Fate. It is not D&D. It is space stuff and vampires and all other type of stuff. And then on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Twitch channel Make Believe, I am in the Waverly 98 game where we are teenagers um, investigating a mystery that has now taken us into the Fey realm. Awesome. And what was that Twitch channel one more time? Uh, for Tuesdays, it's Nerds with Dice. And then on Saturdays, it is Make Believe. Awesome. Chris, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Yes, this upcoming weekend, or this upcoming Sunday, rather, on ATGN, we are doing the return of a segment we haven't done in a while, which is an advice segment with one Willie Nelson. And the funnier things people need advice on, the better. So if you have something you want some serious advice from one Willie Skittlewater Nelson on, please feel free to tweet me at the Chris Farrell with that topic. He did get a new name this weekend, hence why I called him Skittlewater. Okay, fair enough. Um, I would like to submit an idea right now, Okay. Hypo okay. Hypothetically, let's say that you have a podcast that you do. And on that podcast, you have a host that rants about a certain game maker a lot. And sometimes he ends up saying the A word and you have to go and bleep him in editing because he's so mad about that game maker. Uh, what would his advice be on that? That's my submission. Well, I would argue that that word is okay because you can say it on basic cable. <laughs> Fair enough. Just so, like I can say the S word once and be fine. Uh, so for episode 345 of the officialgunnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, SP, we do miss having you on here. We look forward to your return in a couple weeks. I'm Michelle saying I'm also an agent on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast on the gunnageek.com network. That was right from the SP books. Way to go. I'm Chris, and I hate EA. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think this podcast is being confiscated for being counterfeit. Bye!
Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.